Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Sister, you can now be seated. And for those who are seated, you are out because you didn't, Simon didn't say so. Everybody remember that time a few months ago when Josh played uh, Simon Says in the middle of his message? Wasn't that cool? Yeah, my name is Andy Balthazer. It's good to have you guys here this morning. Good to be a part of the Way Church. Uh, and if you're paying attention, you probably noticed that I, I changed shirts. I'm, I'm like Josh. I'm incognito sometimes. Um, I had a, a polo shirt on this morning, and then I realized that, you know, I, I really want to make sure that, you know, we focus on prayer. Uh, and Josh and the family are, are way out of the conference this week, so they're having some time alone as a family and just, you know, getting to spend some time together, and he had texted me about, you know, filling in for him a few months ago, about a month or so ago, actually, and his first thing to me was, you know, we are do a series on prayer. I was like, yes, this is great. You know, we always want to focus more on prayer, um, and then he texted me a couple of weeks ago just saying, hey, praying for you as you prepare this sermon and, and just speak from the Holy, you know, depend on the Holy Spirit, speak from the Word, right? Um, and then a couple of weeks later, he's, I'm praying for you as you lead the church this week, Number one, pray your knees off. I'm like, that is T-shirt worthy. If I've never heard of it, you know, it's like, we had to make it. So Kim and I made the shirt yesterday. Uh, if you like one, we, you know, we entertain, you know, gifts, you know, that make you a shirt. And no, I'm just kidding. We'd, we'd make you a shirt. But the key is to pray your knees off. You think about, that's a great way of saying, you know, we should always be in a heart posture for prayer, right? We should always be lifting one another up in prayer. And, you know, of course, you don't have to be on your knees the entire time, which is, you know, makes it uncomfortable for others. But, you know, prayer should come naturally from us because we have a heart that desires to follow God and, and to uh, spend time with him in his word and, and through prayer. So I just thought this was a cool way of doing it. Uh, you know, we, we've done other things like this in the past, but, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's relative to our, our sermon series this morning. So obviously, you know, the sermon series that Josh started last week and was prayers for all people. Uh, and again, with that, that, the verse that we lead from is 1 Timothy 2, uh, you know, 1 through 4, but I'm just going to read the first one real quick as a reminder. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. And so, like Josh talked about last week, we're not just to pray for ourselves, we're not just to pray for our family, we pray for everyone. And that passage goes on to read, you know, for kings and those in authorities, those in leadership positions, because they definitely need uh, prayer, right? And so that's, that's one of the things we have to remind ourselves of, is that God calls us to intercede, to petition uh, for others and, and intercede. And so that's the thing that we'll talk about today, even when it's painful for us, you know, because, you know, sometimes, you know, if I'm praying for my wife, I love her, I want to be with her, I spend time with her, you know, I desire for her to, to you know, be more Christ-like and I want to pray for her. But the pain point comes in when we're asked to pray for what? Our enemies, right? The people that, you know, we, we're not so thoughtful of or treat us bad or we treat bad. So we're going to go into that, uh, you know, more, uh, you know, in a, in a few moments. Um, but you think about just prayer in general, right? Yeah, I, there's some things that people are, you know, reluctant to pray. They forget to pray. Well, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that it's a little bit of both, right? You know, we get so busy in our, uh, you know, everyday life. Uh, that we forget sometimes that, you know, God calls us to pray first and foremost for every little thing, uh, whether it's, you know, preparing for a meeting, which is what I do a lot, you know, preparing for or praying for someone who's sick, you know, where, you know, in good times and in bad. And that's the things we have to make sure we, we realize the most that, you know, we shouldn't be reluctant to pray. We should do that out of a heart for prayer and, and a heart for God, right? But I think, you know, sometimes, you know, we were talking about this in my family in my office where a lot of deep discussions occur sometimes, not work-related, but, you know, why are people reluctant to pray? And I, I think, you know, like I said, sometimes it's our, our selfishness and, and we, you know, don't focus on others or, or focus on Christ, which, you know, allows us to focus on others, right? Because of our love for Christ, we should have, you know, that, that love for others. But sometimes it can be that we're over-churched. You know, I will tell you that I'm was overchurched, and I still can be overchurched in some sense. And you're probably like, what, what does that mean? You know, what does it mean to be overchurched? Well, I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, you know, and my dad was pastor. Many of you know that. And we were told, explained, and trained, basically, to do and pray certain ways or to have services a certain way. And I tell you, it's still a little 
uncomfortable for me to be up here leading and teaching in a t-shirt. I mean, because, you know, if you think about it, some churches still have that, that, that suit and tie kind of mentality. But here at the Way Church, we welcome everybody. So if you're wearing a t-shirt, a polo shirt, you're all welcome, right? So, but I think, you know, sometimes we think about how we were tra- trained or how we were taught or how we hear others pray, and it becomes, a, a, you know, an expectation or we do it out of compulsion and it becomes a check-the-box kind of thing, right? So I know we do a lot around Bible reading and, and meditation and praying in God's Word. And, and sometimes, you know, we make a ritual out of everything. And that's, that's what I mean by that over-churched, you know, aspect of it. Like, everything has become a, a tradition or a ritual, so we have to check the box. Like, I prayed today or I read a chapter today so I can check that box. But was I really praying with the heart of Christ for others was I really paying attention and, and reading into the meaning of that word for that day or that chapter? So th- those are the things that, you know, our heart has to be in the right place and, and not out of compulsion, not out of obligation. That's one of the things that we talk about a lot at the end of the service for giving. We don't want you to give or, or tithe because you feel obligated or because it was something your mom or dad did in church every week, right? It's because we want you to have that, that heart of, of, you know, compulsion and not of compulsion, of heart of, you know, compassion and you know, to, to generosity, that's the word I was thinking about, for generosity to give to the church because you have that heart, right? And so that's, that's what we're going to talk about today and, and just think about things as we go through, you know, what makes up an enemy? How do we define enemies? How, how do we treat our enemies? How do we pray and love our enemies too? Uh, and we're going to start in Matthew 5. So if you want to open your Bibles to, back to that verse in uh, the end of chapter 5, 43 and 44, we're going to go through a couple of different sections. And I've got all the verses in the slides, and you know, you'll get the meeting, uh, the, uh, um, the, the notes tomorrow as well, because um, we're going to cover a lot of verses, and we're going to cover a lot of points um, today in going through this. So Matthew 5, 43 and 44, and thank you, Shimona, for doing that. It was a great job. Uh, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So, you know, here we, we hear you know, the, the, the command and the, the teaching of, of Christ. And if you're not familiar with Matthew 5, it's the Sermon on the Mount. And it starts off with the Beatitudes and all the blessed are those who are meek, blessed are those who are, uh, you know, and has the, the, re, the reminder of Christ all through that chapter. And I call it the great equalizer chapter because it's the chapter that, you know, he equates the thought of a sin to the action of a sin, right? And that's where we get caught up because we say that, you know, oh, I, I haven't done adultery or I didn't commit adultery, the act of adultery, but it's the thought of adultery that's the sin. And that's what Jesus uh, explains all this. He goes through that with adultery, goes through that with murder and, and a number of other things. And so this is important for us to understand because, you know, throughout this whole chapter, Jesus is just really clarifying and redefining the, the rabbinical law. And this is what he does in, in verse 43 as well. He said, you have heard that it was said. So this is what the rabbis were teaching. You know, of course, they, you know, love your enemy, which is found in Leviticus 19.18. says to, to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and then the rabbis had started adding on, you know, to those commands. Uh, but, but Christ here says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So, so our, our first point is, you know, we our enemies with God right out of the gate, right? So we have to define and really understand what enemies mean. And the perfect example of grace while we were enemies is God's love for us, right? So he sent his son to die on the cross uh, for our sins. And so Romans 5, 8 through 10 says it this way, God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, we will be saved through him from, uh, through him from wrath. For if we were why, when we were enemies, were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, when we'll be saved by his life? And so here's the, the you know, loving your enemies is not an easy thing to, to think about, but here's the perfect example of that, right? So we understand that even while we were sinners, and, and you, know, we are, we, you know, we can be good people, but we still sin, we fall short of the glory of God, so we are sinners and we are enemies with God, right? Um, James 4, 4 talks about that. We, are, we all were or we all are enemies of God. So if we were, that means you're a believer, you're no longer enemies with God because Christ's death and our faith and trust in Christ's death was the propitiation of that sin, right? And so he took that sin barrier away from us. But 
if you haven't given your life to Christ, then you're still at odds. You're still at enmity or enemies of God. And that's what James 4, 4 talks about. If you're friends of this world and you are, you know, are sinful and you haven't given your life to Christ, then, then you are an enemy with God. And we all were enemies with God, right? Because you know, we were doing our, our own selfish desires. We were uh, doing whatever we wanted to. Uh, and before we gave our life to Christ, that sin still separated us from, from a holy God, right? And so we need to remind ourselves that, you know, even though that we were in that state, the perfect example of loving your enemy was God extending grace to us, something that we didn't deserve, but he freely gave through his son, Jesus. And you see that in here, that he loves and proves that love for us by that, that free gift of grace. And, and I can tell you, not only is that gift of salvation free, but God loves us through that sinful periods in our life, too. He's always pursuing us, and he draw, his, his word tells us that he draws us uh, to himself. And I can tell you that because Kim and I's marriage was saved before I gave my life to Christ. So, you know, when we were separated for a year and a half back in 2004 or whenever it was, I was still living a selfish life and a sinful life, but God still loved me. He still had grace in me and my marriage and with Kim, and he brought us back together. So, yeah, I know that he, he is a graceful father, and this is the perfect example of how to love your enemy. I was at odds with God because I wasn't having given my life to God. I wasn't even close to following his plan and desire for me, but still he had, he had mercy and grace for me, and he restored our marriage, and then later used that to draw me to himself to give my life to him ultimately uh, a few years later. And so, yeah, we are reconciled to him by faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life. And it's important for us to, to remind ourselves that, you know, God is the gracious God that he is. Even when we fall short uh, or, we, or even before we give our life to him, he still pursues us and still extends that grace to us. So number two, know your enemies. And I know this sounds weird, like, know your enemies. What are you talking about? You know, the command is obviously Jesus from him was to love our enemies. And I, I want to, you know, spend some time here, too, because I think most people would say, you know, enemies means this or this or, you know, X, Y, or Z, right? We, if I gave a poll or, or a secret poll and, you know, took, you know, an, everybody's answers and read them, they would probably be, you know, all a little bit different, but probably same. I think most people think of enemies as, you know, like war or long-term turmoil and combative, and you will never, you know, love them. There's no way that you'll ever be able to have a conversation with them. But how would you define an enemy? That's the, that's the question I have for you now. How would you define an enemy in your life? Or how would you identify an enemy in your life? Matthew 5, 44, the second part of this, and we'll go through this in this whole section, is I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So if you think about the words that, that Christ uses here, he uses persecution. If you go through Luke 6, which I will in a minute, you'll see some different verbs there. Um, but persecution, you know, and again, back in biblical times, you know, things were a little bit different for enemies and persecution than how we would define them today. Uh, and like I said, I think most of us would say enemy is something I don't have because I get along with everybody. But we all know that, you know, we have enemies, people that we get short with, people that, you know, we'll go through in a minute. But back in biblical times, you know, it was the Romans, right? Like those were the persecution. That was the, the persecutors. They were coming in, uh, had everybody on lockdown. I mean, just they were the enemies of the Jewish people and of the early church. And so that's the persecution here that you would say. But now, if you look at it from our perspective, you know, the Bible is living and breathing, right? And it's applicable in every point of our life. Uh, and now you would think of persecution as, you know, common words with like taunting, reviling others, insulting or throwing smack, or throwing shade, right? And that's the terms that we use now. That's an enemy. That's, that's somebody who I don't agree with, or, you know, they don't, they've done something bad to me, and it's, it's more of a short-term thing, right? You know, I can have uh, an enemy, and we'll get to some of these examples in a minute. You know, your, your best friend becomes your enemy sometimes, right? If you don't agree on something, or if you get in a fight, or, you know, something's, you know, clouding your judgment, you know, alcohol, drugs, things like that, it's easy for us to get into fights, uh, and, and have those friends that turn to enemies. What? Right? I mean, there's been a term called frenemies that we actually have created because of this occurrence, right? But it's, it's, it's mind-blowing how, as Christians, and even in the church, sometimes we can lose our patience so quickly with one another, and those frenemies, you know, defines us. And that's, that's not how we're called to act, especially to other brothers and sisters in Christ, but especially our enemies. And so that's the frenemies. That's a modern term describing how friends 
can easily become enemies. And so you think back on now, like, yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense. And, and when we talk through these, you'll see that there's a lot of application, even to myself. Like, when we prepare for messages like this, I mean, the Holy Spirit's just clubbing you over the head sometimes. It's like, Andy, you know, you, you did this this week. You, you need to make this right. And I, and I encourage you, and, and we'll have some times of prayer throughout this sermon like, like Josh did last week, to really ask for God and the Holy Spirit to reveal these, these enemies to us so we can, you know, understand what we did wrong, what, what happened, and how we reconcile with those people. Uh, this could act, you know, happen to people at, at work as well. Uh, you know, if you don't agree or you have a different competing project or point of contention or discussion point, yeah, I've seen conference calls since COVID and even before COVID that have gone really sideways because people were talking over each other, weren't, you know, extending grace, extending patience to one another. And then people who are on the same team will become enemies with a drop of a, uh, a hat. And it's, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, people that we work with, that we invest in and, you know, develop and work and train, that they become our enemies or, or could become enemies like that. And so it's important for us to, to understand this too. And like I was mentioning, you know, with, with Christians and, and fellow Christians, whether it's in this church or with other churches, you see it so many times on social media and especially on Facebook, how, you know, different points of the Bible are interpreted different ways or, you know, this company is woke or this company's not woke or there's just different things that we find to fight and divide ourselves. And the Holy Spirit is, you know, just broken over this. And you think about it from God's perspective is, you know, we have to have a higher standard for, for Christians, especially how we treat another, but, but especially loving on one another and, and loving our enemies too. I mean, I, I could tell you there's many times I go on Facebook, you know, and Facebook was originally created to keep in touch with people, to learn and, and understand what others were, were going on through their life. Now it's become this divisive tool that the devil has used, and we've allowed him to creep in and use it this way that even over church things, we can get into arguments and, and friends or family members become enemies. You know, you can see some of the exchanges, and that's not Christ-like. Uh, even with, with fellow Christians. And so it's important for us to remind ourselves, you know, before we post, before we, you know, have comments or, or make discussion points in meetings that we, if we feel ourselves getting agitated, we need to stop and pray, you know, because that's the one thing, you know, we talk about you know, praying for others and praying for everyone and praying for our enemies. We also need to pray for ourselves because we, we know that we can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to help us be the, that Christian that he desires us to be, right? And so it's, it's important for us to re remind ourselves to take deep breaths, pray, and, and disconnect for a little bit. Walk away from that discussion uh, or, or not even post. And pray before you post. That's another one that could be on a T-shirt, right? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that people put in the email or post really quick. You know, you need to pray and, and just lay that out before God uh, and, and make sure we understand what, what the impact of that is going to be. Uh, Luke 6, 27 and 28 also talks about, you know, the, the, the same command. And Jesus here says, but I say to you who listen, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. And here again, you know, if you weren't, you know, feeling convicted through that last, you know, description, you know, this, ne <laughs> this next one is going to be, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, harsh as well. So you think of the words here, you see hate, you see curse, and you see mistreat. Now, I know we all like to think highly of ourselves and say, yeah, this isn't me. But there's easily ways that, you know, if you think about the way that these words are structured and the way, the order that they're in and what they mean, we all fall guilty of this kind of stuff. We all are, are, are you know, have done this in the past and maybe even this past week. I mean, you think about the first one there, hate. That's, you know, hostility or, or animosity towards someone else. Uh, and I tell you, you know, I've seen this in a lot of family relationships where people hold bitterness or grudges because of something that was said. And, and sometimes the person who said it doesn't know how it was even perceived. But yet that relationship is broken. They now have become from family members to, to enemies. And sometimes you see families broken years, decades, because of something that was said or something that wasn't said or something that was done or not done. And, and those are the things that we need to be you know, looking out for. But, the, you know, I know there's sometimes in my past where, you know, I, I didn't necessarily want to go to a family reunion because I, I knew of some animosity between me and someone else. And, and we weren't reconciled. And, and I didn't make the effort of reconciling and, and loving that enemy, right? And so 
even though it was technically family, I mean, there's easy ways for our family to become enemies. And so we need to be aware of that as well uh, because it does lead to bitterness. It does lead to a lot of division and breaking of, of homes. Uh, the second one in there is cursing. So if you think about cursing, you know, some of this is relatively easy for us because some of us have sailor mouths, and I was one of those. But here it's talking about eternal damnation. So if you think about like road rage and people that you have in that heat of the moment, you said, you know, you, I condemn you to hell or any derivative or similar version of that, that's that same cursing there. And so that's, you know, think about road rage or, or something that you say flippant like that, but you, you don't really mean it because you're so heated. And at the, the heat of the moment, you didn't take that time to pause and pray. You just basically said whatever was coming out and you've cursed them or you've condemned them like that. And so that's another one that, um, you know, I'm not the most patient person. I've worked at home for 16 years, even before COVID. And yeah, you know, my patient is, patience is not as high as it should be, especially when I'm driving around. And it's easy to get caught up in road rage uh, and, and have that, that response. And, and again, you know, the stranger that you've never known before becomes your enemy. And again, we're called to, to pray for them and, and love them, which we'll get to. And then the last one here is, is mistreat. You think about mistreatment and, you know, I feel like I'm in, I've been mistreated or I mistreat others. You know, any of these could be verbal. Any of these could be physical abuse or mistreatments. Uh, you know, obviously with cursing, it's, it's more visual, uh, more verbal. Uh, but that's, you know, that could be what we have in a, in a relationship or in a marriage, right? You think about mistreating one another. Uh, or, or using people or doing things out of spite. You know, I, I know in, in my marriage, and, and I've seen it in other marriages too, that, you know, again, your wife or your spouse can easily become your enemy at the drop of a dime because of, uh, you know, what you're discussing and your selfish desires, each of you combating against one another. And you can, it can lead to, you know, mistreatment of others or mistreatment of her or, or him. And that can get ugly really quickly. And we need to, you know, guard ourselves against that and making sure it doesn't lead to bitterness and resentment in a marriage. It's, it's important because, you know, if you don't reconcile with your spouse, you know, after a heated argument like that, then the devil will continue to divide and split you and, and use that, those feelings of resentment um, and, and bitterness to continue to separate that marriage. I, I know I've been there, and so I know others might be even going through this now. And so just think about, you know, how these different aspects of the words that we talked about and, and the relationships that we are, are engaged in, either at work or in our family or in our marriage, in the marriage covenant, you know, these, these types of uh, behaviors come up, you know, pretty often. So, you know, my question to you now is, you know, out of, these, out of these different things that, you know, I just listed and we just described, you know, now I'm sure your definition of enemy is a lot different than what it was possibly at the beginning of this, right? It's not just people that, you know, we're at war with, you know, they're my sworn enemy. You know, there's no way that we can reconcile, you know, it's, it's countries against countries, brothers against brothers, that kind of stuff. You think about the Civil War. But this is really the enemies in our house, the enemies that, you know, are, could be short-term enemies, hopefully, uh, and that's one of the things that, that the question is, you know, do these, these words or any of that discussion reflect your thoughts this week? And what have you done to reconcile those actions or those words uh, to a loved one? So you think about, um, you know, we're going we're to stop here and, and do a, a session, of the first session of prayer. And so I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to, to, for God to forgive us, of, you know, for these things. And, and I encourage you, and we'll start off with a moment of silence and just, you know, pray silently. Uh, so if this is something that you've done this week or, or someone that, even in this room, uh, that may, you might need to reconcile or apologize or ask for forgiveness, I encourage you to do that. But obviously, all of our sin is against God primarily or first, right? And so we need to ask Him for forgiveness. Um, and any time that we've had these thoughts, words, or actions, that, that not only that we would ask for forgiveness and, and seek reconciliation, but that we would have softened hearts. Because uh, so, sometimes with that bitterness or that resentment lasts over years, and, and our hearts get hardened, and we no longer want to be with, around that person like a family member. And we need to you know, pray for softened hearts uh, and to remove that bitterness and grudges and, and to wipe that, sleep, that, that slate clean and have that forgiving heart like God calls us to do. So I invite you to just you know, close your eyes, um, and we're just going to pray silently as you feel led, and then I'll, I'll close this.
And Father, I thank you that you are uh, the God of grace and the God of forgiveness, Lord. Father, I pray that you would soften the hearts of us, Lord, that we would be more like Christ, that we would love others as you love us, Father, and that we would see others as you see us. Lord, we know that we fail you and and we can't do it without you, Lord. So we pray that you would uh, search our hearts, Lord, Father, with your Holy Spirit, that you would reveal these frenemies or these enemies and these people in our lives that we've mistreated or, or persecuted, Father, that you would help us to love them, Lord, to, to do things that are uplifting and encouraging that equip them, Lord Father, especially in your word, Lord. So I pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would give us a heart that follows after your desires, Lord, and that we would seek reconciliation, that you would forgive us, Lord, uh, you know, of these times, and that we would seek reconciliation of these people that, that are our enemies, Father, that you would reveal those to us, Lord, that you would give us the, the words to say, Lord, in the heart that desires to be reconciled with them. Lord, we thank you and praise you all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, we, so the next couple of points we're going to go through uh, is how not to love your enemy, and then we'll close with how to love your enemy. So Proverbs 24, 17, and 18 uh, talks about how not to love your enemy. So this is the biblical advice. Don't gloat when your enemy falls, and don't let your heart rejoice when he stumbles, or the Lord will see be displeased and turn his wrath away from him. So there's the godly advice. That's the biblical advice that says, hey, if your enemy stumbles or, you know, someone you don't like or you are opposed, you know, something bad happens to them, you know, don't gloat, you know, don't throw it in their face, um, don't rejoice, you know, that's, that's, you know, cheering people on, right? And I think about how we can do this, you know, today, and I don't know if anybody else in here grew up watching wrestling or, or wrestling if you're from the north, you would know this is, this is primary how, of, uh, of how we used to do this, right? You know, the bad people or the bad guys were called heels, and they did everything bad to beat up on somebody or to, you know, find them in a hallway, and, and, and every, they would really, you know, generate all this animosity for the crowd because that's what, that's what their job was. And then, you know, you had all the good guys who would come in like Hulk Hogan and others, and, you know, there'd be the big melee and and then you'd be like, yeah, get them, get them, get them. You know, you're gloating or you're rejoicing in that enemy, right? And so I know it's a kind of a funny illustration, but then you get to nowadays where it's, again, on social media where, you know, somebody gets taken down that you don't agree with, and then we gloat. Or say, like, yeah, he had that coming. You know, you should have known. You know, it was going to get you sometime. But, you know, God talks about vengeance being his, right? And so that, that's something we'll talk about as well. But the Bible talks calls us not to gloat when your enemy falls. Don't let your heart rejoice. And so we can't make fun of them. You know, we need to follow the guidance here because obviously we're called not to do that, right? We're called to love one another. So that's, you know, one of the things not to do. Um, and talking about a vengeance, right? You know, Romans 12, 19 and 20 uh, talks about friends. Do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. And so again, you know, we're supposed to have peace and be that peacemaker and, and not retaliate or worry about even revenge because you think about like bitterness and stuff like that. that, that that's really a burden, you know, on your, on your back. Uh, and, and, you know, if you even take that down the road of, of retaliation, that's another thing that could end up, to, end up being criminal. It could end up, you know, being physical you know, and it could be, end up being a lot of broken uh, hearts and, and, and families as well. So God says, don't avenge yourselves, leave that to me. And that's what's great. Um, he goes, I will repay. And, and there's many verses in the Bible that talks about the unjust getting their due because God is the best judge. He is just. Uh, and we know that that's the case. And that's why we need to let him have faith that he will, in his wisdom and all his sovereignty, will we'll judge rightly and appropriately at the right time. But again, you know, our reaction is to retaliate, you know, threaten and, you know, use social media. And, and honestly, you know, this is one of the things, I, you know, I was in the Philippines a couple of months ago talking about with them, you know, there's this one slide that I did in that presentation was talking about all of the physical violence that happens in the U.S. now. And I told them, I pray that this never hits the Philippines because, you know, if you think about like domestic violence and shootings, mass shootings, you know, gun shootings, uh, or, or just you know different violence in the U.S., that is a lot of that retaliation. I want something, or someone has done something wrong against me, and I'm getting them back. 
It's sad to say that over the last five or six years, our criminal statistics for like that type of gun violence and that, those types of shootings has just blown through the roof. You know, it's because we don't have patience. It's because we're not trying to reconcile. We're not living like Christ lives or having that heart for others as Christ does. Uh, and this even happens in, you know, Christian churches or Christian homes. Uh, that retaliation is sought in, you know, lives are broken and hearts and, and even, uh, you know, relationships are broken too. And so we have to have that heart. We have to pray for you know, a heart that we love our enemies, no matter what happens or what they do to us, we need to have that heart that, that is that heart of Christ for them uh, and sacrificing our needs and desires, you know, for them. And so that's what we're going to pray for now is that in the second prayer session is that, that God would not only soften hearts like we prayed for just a second ago, but that he would give us a heart to love our enemies. I mean, like I said, you know, loving your enemies is pretty unnatural, uh, in, the, in the worldly view of things, you know, and we'll talk more about this later, uh, but, but we have to have that love for our enemies and, and have that heart as well. So again, giving that uh, to God to, to sacrifice our needs and desires and put theirs ahead of our own. So, you know, once again, you're just going to uh, pray as you feel led, you know, silently uh, for, you know, a little bit, and then I'll close this in prayer. But, you know, again, pray for, you know, a heart that is desiring to follow after God, to love our enemies, and that he would uh, renew and, and change our heart. Father, we do thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. It's through the transforming pop process, um, Lord, that you have given us as we are believers in Christ, that renews us as a new creature, Lord, that you would restore our hearts, Lord, Father, for the ones that haven't given their life to Christ here, Lord. I pray that you would give us a heart for others, that we see them as you see them, Father. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to work through us um, and give us that heart for our enemies and for others that we don't agree with or that that we don't like being around sometimes, Father, or are hard to be around, Lord. Help us to be sensitive to that, Lord. Help us to have that heart to love them no matter what, Father, that sacrificial love, that unconditional love that you desire for us to, to have and that you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to help us put their needs ahead of ourselves. Humble us, Father God, uh, through your Holy Spirit, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so finally, you know, we talk about how not to love your enemies, but how to love your enemies. And so we'll get to the good stuff at the end. Um, so Romans 12, 16, and, and I'll tell you this, you know, I didn't say it earlier because I knew Kim would laugh at me, but, you know, Matthew 5, Romans 12 are some of my favorite chapters in the Bible. You know, I think most people say, Romans, that's the crazy book of doctrinal theology, and it's very, very deep, and it is. But in the, in, towards the end of Romans, there's Romans 12, and there's a lot about uh, living in harmony, you know, how uh, brotherly love for one another, you know, in the church and for others as well. And Romans 12, 16 talks about like this and says, love in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. So here, you know, the guidance and the biblical reaction is our, our thought life, right? You know, we talked about Matthew 5 and the, you know, the, the whole chapter is, you know, Christ really talking about the, the acts that we say and do, whether they're good or bad, start with our thoughts. And if we have good thoughts, that's going to lead to good words or good actions. If we, lead, if we think bad things, it leads to bad words, bad sin, right? And, and that's what he talked about with murder and adultery and other things too. And so the, the thought life here, as a part of our biblical reaction, should be to, to humble ourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Being proud is the opposite of being humble. If you're humbling yourself, you're putting the needs of the others ahead of your own. And so that's how we need to live, uh, especially with our enemies, but with our brothers, as t brothers and sisters as well. So humble ourselves. That's a, that's a mental thing that we need to pray about as well and make sure that we sacrifice and put their needs ahead of our own. But that starts, again, with what? The thought, right? And so uh, you move on to Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So it says, bless those who persecute you. So this is a little bit different than Matthew 5, right? It says to speak highly. And I think most people will say bless, like, you know, you're being blessed by a pastor or a priest or, you know, some other weird, you know, religious tradition. But blessing is speaking highly. It's encouraging. 
uh, it's, it's you know, praising someone even, not in the same way that we praise God and, and Jesus, obviously, but you're, you're encouraging them, you're praising them, you know, uh, and, and speaking highly of them. Imagine the reaction that you get from an enemy if you speak highly of them when you're realizing that you're getting escalated and instead of saying something you shouldn't, you actually stop and start finding common ground or you start praising them or encouraging them, that diffuses a problem. That's that peacemaker that, that Christ wants us to be. Um, and, and it's important for us to remind ourselves of that, to you know, sometimes to you know, give people the benefit of the doubt or assume good intent. You know, I think that's the way a lot, of the, a lot of the ways the devil uses, because we're so quick to judge, we're so quick to respond, uh, and we don't give people the, the benefit of the doubt. Like, you don't know what's going on in their life. You know, maybe they didn't show up to this meeting for the fifth time you know, over the last five weeks because of something else that's going on in their life. But yeah, you're starting to become an enemy with them because you didn't like what they did or what they said. We need to remind ourselves to give people the benefit of the doubt. And when we have the opportunity, you know, speak highly of them and and praise uh, and reward them as well. And then, and you'll see that these are all following thoughts, words, and, and the second or the third one here is actions. So Proverbs 25, 21 through 22 if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. So again, this is the, the, the action. So if we humble ourselves, we put their needs ahead of our own, we speak highly of them, we don't curse them, we don't you know, criticize them and bring them down, and then we also feed them and give them something to drink if they're thirsty, that in this last part of this verse talks about, you know, the, the response. You know, you always hear, or, you know, maybe you don't, I don't know, uh, you know, being raised in a church and, and you know, having that background, you, you always hear about heaping coals, burning coals on people's head. And that's, that's what that means. Like, you're doing something so good for them, the, their only response is to be convicted or feel ashamed if they're not saved. If they're convicted, then they're saved, right? Or if they feel convicted, that's that's what the difference is. So they're going to change their behavior because you didn't do something that they expected you to do. Or you reacted in a godly way instead of a worldly way. Think about it in those terms. There's been many times at work, you know, I don't get into tussles that often, but I'm sure I've made enemies and and had short-term enemies, and and I've gone and, and reconciled, you know, during those times. And I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination for sure, but... There's been times where, you know, conversations or meetings had got heated and I didn't respond in a way that they thought I would. And I had people come up to me and ask me, well, why didn't you, you know, say that against him or, or why didn't you respond and defend yourself? I was like, because that's not who I am. And those types of interactions lead to gospel conversations. That's the good thing about that heaping of burning coals is normally it's with a, an unsaved person and they will start to wonder why you are acting that way. And it's only through the deliverance that we have in Christ that we can have that love for our enemies. And so when you hear about burning coals and, and on the head, and it's in the you know, New Testament as well, that's that reaction that you know, they'll have. But that's, that's the Holy Spirit working on them too. Like I said, you know, God will draw you know, all to himself um, and desires to have that relationship with everybody. And that's just another way of you know, them being convicted of their, their, their bad behavior. Uh, and then finally, what we've been called to do, you know, in Matthew five forty four is, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, right? So you have you know, the humility, you're humbling yourselves, and that's the thought. You have the, the praise and the, you know, speaking highly of people, which is the, you know, the words, and then you have the actions of feeding and, and giving them uh, water to drink. But here is the most important one is, is to pray for them. Uh, you think about this, um, you know, for any of those descriptions that I gave you, it's going to be hard to pray for people who have treated you wrong, but that, that's where the grace of God that he has given us needs to be applied in our lives, you know, both uh, horizontally, horizontally because of that vertical relationship, because God has given us his son, Jesus, and we are renewed, then that, that love for others needs to travel horizontally, and we can't do that, you know, without that relationship with Christ. And so, you know, the last part of Romans 12, you know, talks about our responsibility uh, as Christians and, you know, really uh, for what we need to be doing in terms of reconciliation. So it says in verse 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So again, you know, this is something that the Bible calls us to do. Christ calls us to live peaceably. 
And, and, and you'll see the difference here in this verse. It says, as far as it depends on you. So if I did something against Tony or, or someone else, and I make, the, I make the attempt to apologize and reconcile with them, there might be a point or someone in your life that they don't ever say that they forgive you, or you never hear a response, or you never get a response, or you might not know everything that's going on in the situation. But that verse right there is calling us to do, as long as it's in our power, that we need to seek reconciliation, we need to seek forgiveness, both of things that we have done sometimes and things that they have done to us. That's a two-way street, and I want to make sure we understand that as well. Uh, we need to take responsibility for our actions, uh, especially as brothers and sisters in Christ, and then to live peaceably with everyone. And again, sometimes that doesn't look the same for in every situation, but we need to make the effort because of our love for them and from our love of Christ that we seek out these individuals that we've wronged uh, or either have wronged us and we live at peace. Uh, you know, that's one of the terms I love in the Bible quite a bit, and it really don't gets talked about that much, but it's actually in Matthew 5, and blessed are the peacemakers. You know, we should try and strive to be peacemakers in every aspect you know, of our lives, whether at church, whether uh, with our family or with our professional job, we need to pray for uh, the, these individuals and, and make that effort to live peaceably among men and, and among everybody and invite them to church. I mean, that's the other thing. You think about things. If, you, if you're unhappy with somebody at work and they're unsaved, pray for them. Lift them up in prayer. Do everything in your power to reconcile with them uh, and ask for forgiveness or, or whatever the situation occurs but pray for them. I mean, and, you know, if we're supposed to pray for one another, how much more are we supposed to pray for everybody else? And so that's, that's the thing is praying for our enemies as, as God calls us to do. So in this final prayer session, we're going to pray for those enemies that we identified and that the Holy Spirit is revealing to us, though. So these could be enemies in our workplace or school, enemies in our friends or our family, or even our, our enemies sitting next to us, our spouse. If you're in a position where you're in, a, in a, a relationship or in a marriage and you got in a fight this morning or you've been at odds or you're separated or whatever the case is, now is the time you know, to, to seek reconciliation and seek peace. Uh, so we're going to pray for those enemies you know, in our neighborhoods or in our life, whether you know, it, you know, it's our family member or anybody like that. So we're going to use this last in a few minutes to pray that the Holy Spirit would just reveal, number one, reveal them to us. And again, because we like to make ourselves feel a little bit better and, and say that we don't have enemies, but that, that He would reveal these enemies to us and that we would pray for those that uh, we've mistreated or that we've cursed or persecuted or we're hostile against, you know, even the feelings, you know, this the thought, remember? Uh, so I invite you to just close your eyes now. Uh, and then pray silently, you know, however you feel led. You know, this is not a prayer of compulsion. You know, you know if you, are, you know, feel like you're not in a, a relationship that meets this definition, then pray for others who are, who are in that relationship uh, during this time. And then I'll close this as well. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit, your words this morning, Lord, and just... Uh, the convicting power of your Holy Spirit, Father. There's just so many people that, you know, over my life, I can just think of even recently that, um, that I've mistreated, Father, and uh, have become enemies, Lord. And, and I pray for, for all of us, Father, that you would reveal those to us, Lord, that we would uh, pray for them, that we would lift them up and intercede for them, whether they're saved or unsaved, Father, that we would uh, pray for their salvation, Lord, if they're not, that we would act like Christ and be that example of Christ to them in their lives, Father, and for others that we would encourage and, and build up the brotherhood of Christ and the fellowship that we have in church, Lord, that, that you would um, allow us and remind us by your Holy Spirit, Lord, to, to pray for others, to intercede for others, Lord, and to seek the goodwill of them, Lord. And we thank you and praise you for, for just the gift of salvation, the gift of grace through Jesus, Lord, and I pray that you would just continue to remind us throughout this week and as we go on, Lord, to to not only uh, pray for our enemies, but to love them, Lord, as well as you love them and see them. So we pray that you would uh, reveal those people to us, Lord, that we would seek reconciliation, that we would be those peacemakers that you desire for us to be, Lord. We thank you and praise you all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So again, you know, as, as we close, you know, we talk about that hot heart posture, and it really goes across everything that we do uh, as a church and as a believer in Christ. If you don't have your heart right with God, and I can tell you from experience, I was, I was that way too. I mean, um, you know, you can never love someone. You can never 
pray for your enemy if you don't have that right relationship with God. And that's that vertical relationship I refer to or we refer to. You know, if, if that relationship with God is where it should be, then, yeah, we, we should be able to respond in love for others and putting their needs ahead of our own in humility and obedience. But if you have never given your life to Christ and your relationship, that vertical relationship doesn't exist or it's not where it should be, then this is going to be a time of invitation that you would get that, that relationship right with Christ because that free gift of grace like we read about in Romans, came from God. He gave His Son who lived the perfect life to take away our sins. And if we put our faith and trust in Him, then those sins are erased. They're remembered no more. They're forgotten. And so that would, that's what allows us to love like Christ loves. Um, and if you want to speak with somebody or if you haven't made that decision in your life, then we'll have a prayer team over here to the side. Um, but, it, you know, you respond as you feel led. If you feel like praying with others in your seat or you feel like, uh, there's someone you need to reconcile, you know, th- this is an open church. You feel and do as the Lord leads you and as the Holy Spirit guides you. So um, I invite the band back up as we close. Um, and just, again, we'll have a time of prayer um, and just seeking God's will and desire, you know, in, in the discussions that we've talked about or, you know, talking through that free gift of salvation. You know, we, uh, you know, are, are lucky to be in a place and live in a country where, you know, it's not a crime, it's not against things, uh, you know, the law to, you know, to, to worship God, and we have this opportunity to worship God and, and um, you know, have gospel conversations. And so we invite you to have a gospel conversation if you'd like today with us, um, because the Bible also tells us that God desires for us to live peaceably among all men, but He desires to have that relationship with everyone as well as Lord and Savior of your life. So again, you know, Pray as you feel led. We'll have a prayer team to the side, and then, um, you know, we'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you and and praise you because you are sovereign, God. Your love for us knows no bounds, and and Father, we don't even understand sometimes how much you love us. Father, I pray that you would just continue to draw us, work and stir our hearts, Father, to be more Christ-like, like like Jesus. Help us to be that Christ-like example to others, Father, and if we don't know you as our Lord and Savior, Father, that you would continue to draw uh, Lord, by your Holy Spirit to these individuals, Lord, because you desire to have that relationship with us, Father. You desire to spend eternity with us in heaven, Father. And Lord, we thank you and praise you just for your word and, and for your commandments, Lord, that we love and follow you and we love and follow uh, and love on others, Father. So I pray that you would just bless this time of prayer, that it would be focused on you, Lord, and that you would continue to draw and move in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
Father, we thank you because you are a great Lord. You are a great God. Lord, we thank you and praise you just for this time today, Father. We thank you because you are moving in the hearts of us, Father, that you continue to lead God and direct us, Lord, Father. And we thank you and praise you all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.